you can't expect to be a sheepdog. You can't expect to be able to stand up and, and fight when you don't know how to do any of those things. Hey folks, this is Mark Devine with the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Welcome back. Thanks so much for your time today. I do not take it for granted. I know you've got a ton of things buying for your attention and the fact that you're giving it to us today speaks volumes. We're not going to waste your time. Uh, before I get started, uh, we're launching our new cleaner eating challenge in January. So if you're ready to, to take six weeks to clean up your fueling, clean up your eating, feel like a million bucks, then check out the cleaner eating challenge. Go to sealfit.com and you know, you'll find information out about it there. Or just look out for it if you're on our email list. If you're not on the email list, then you should go get on our email list. You go to unbeatablemind.com and look for the podcast or you know, just you'll find it. Easy day. All right, so I'm super stoked to be talking to our guest today named Tony Sentmanat. Tony is, um, man, he's a, a former Marine, former uh, retired law enforcement SWAT operator, lifelong uh, MMA guy, a tactical genius, and a fitness uh, badass. I tell you what, you know, I recently learned of Tony when John Wernham, who's my one of my SealFit coaches, most of, many of you who follow SealFit, uh, you know, know who John is in all of our videos, and he's just a total badass himself. And he was showing me one of Tony's videos, and I was like transfixed. And, and Tony's like throwing freaking monstrous tires over his head and and doing burpees and jumping up, bouncing off the tire, you know, literally like five feet off the ground. I tried that myself and I didn't go well. <laughs> At any rate, <laughs> it's just awesome shit. Tony is in probably one of the best shapes for his age I've ever seen. And people said that about me, but this guy puts me to shame. Super stoked to meet you, Tony. Thanks for your time today. Who you are? Oh, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here, Mark. Pleasure and honor. Yeah. So, I mean, we got a lot to talk about because, you know, one of the things I mentioned to you before is, you know, I love, I'm a lifelong martial artist and Navy SEAL you know, for 20 years and whatnot. And so I really am moved by watching people like step up and learn how to be a sheepdog. There's a lot of civilians come through my training. We were talking about that. You were looking at it, laughing about our pricing and structure and everything, but I, we have a ton of civilians who want to learn how to be stronger mentally, emotionally, you know, be able to, to take care of business. You know what I mean? When shit goes down and this used to be just the domain of, you know, law enforcement and military. And now we're seeing a lot, a lot of people get into it. And a lot of people like you and me are training individuals. And so I think it's, it's kind of really cool. We have a lot, we have that in common and it's necessary, isn't it? Like the world is getting pretty crazy. You live in Miami. What's yeah. life like down there? And, you know, t t let's, let's go back to the beginning. Tell us how you got into, you know, into the SWAT team after your Marine Corps service and, you know, kind of what, what was motivating you back then? Um, well, uh, as soon as I got out of the Marines, I, there's not a lot of things you can do getting out of the Marines being a grunt, you know, so right. I jumped pretty quick into law enforcement. Um, uh, I started off as a correctional officer uh, down here in okay. South. did about a year, year and a half. Wasn't my gig just because you have to have a very, very light temperament to be in corrections. Yeah, uh, I bet. I, I've been I've been at a couple of prisons before, and I just don't know how. You know, I don't know how those guys do that job. I mean, it seems. Like I did about a, a year. Job. I got half of the scars on my hands because of the place. Um, right. It was rough, so I, I decided to uh, you know to move on. Lateraled over to, to law enforcement, and within the first uh, year and a half, two years, I jumped to SWAT. I did SWAT most of my career. 
Uh, and I was on a full-time SWAT team where it was a crime suppression unit where we handled pretty much all of the high-end or high-risk narcotics, high-risk warrants, uh, future mm-hmm. recovery, you know. And then down here in Miami, as you all know, it's super busy. You know, we I have, um, I don't know, anywhere between uh, 60 to 75 operations a year. Um, okay. so it, it was, you know, 80-hour work weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Really? Three or four wow. week, tell, tell us about an average week. Like, what was – what was that like? And you know, what was a, a good week like for you? Good week in the mid two thousands. Obviously, things were different in law enforcement. Obviously, back then, and what um, you're talking about probably two vehicle chases, two or three foot chases, two or three operations, whether there were warrants, whether there were by bus reverses, at least one or two manhunts that we had. You know, I mean, the thing is that down here in Miami is a lot of armed robberies, a lot of homicides, carjackings. So it was a constant battle and a constant hunting for those individuals you know um, right and, you know we have a lot of bad neighborhoods down here the city that i worked with um or the city that i that was my department it's the fifth largest city in uh, miami-dade uh, in the state of florida we're the second largest in uh you have miami-dade county then you have city of miami then hialeah which is where i worked out of hialeah happens to be the heart of miami-dade county which is surrounded literally by all the bad neighborhoods of miami-dade county so we were flooded. Yeah, we ended up getting flooded with tons of tons of crime. So we were constantly working. You know, it's it's just, you know, the best way I can say it is, you, you're you're on SWAT. You're on call twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, mm-hmm. and every single week I have we we would run ten hour shifts. So Monday through Thursday work, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. Mm. I could probably say maybe once out of the whole month I would get one weekend fully off. Okay. Other than that, it, we're working on a call. You know what I mean? So. Were you like, okay, you know, wake up, nothing's going on, go to the range to train, then you'd get a call and have to get in the car? I mean, when did you find time to train? Uh, honestly, I would either wake up early or I would do it right after work. Uh, whatever, what you know, for me, training and fitness was has always been a part of my life. Yeah, always. right, me too. And when, when fitness, and I explain to people the best way is, how do you find the motivation? How do you find it? When someone's life depends on whether you're fit or not and whether you know what you're doing or not, it becomes a little bit more serious. Right. My teammates, just like yours, depended on you, depended on me, and I was not going to be the one guy that was not physically conditioned or tactically uh, proficient and be the reason why I lost a team member mm-hmm. because of a mistake that I made. You know what I'm saying? Because – not because it was a mistake because we're all human. We made mistakes. Mm-hmm. But it was – a lack of either training or either physical fitness somehow or some way, you know? So your team didn't do any training as a team, any functional fitness training. It was all on your own. Yeah, we did. We did. We did. Um, But when I personally, myself, I wouldn't rely obviously on a team to do, you know what I mean? Because you're training as a team every other week. So in my department, we would train every other week. We would have a a training day Mm. thing. And then we would have like two uh, f- uh, physical days, which would be one tactical full day, one day of tactical training. And then the other two days would be either running, uh, physical, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You had like a specialty, a specialty day, which was either uh, explosive breaching, um, regular bre- mechanical breaching, mm-hmm. sniper day, you know, whatever, uh, defensive tactics day. So we had those different days specialized on whoever the instructor was. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have to go and, and it's a training day for that. You know, of course, that's when we're not doing operations. Right. Because, right. you know, I know, you know what I mean? A lot of times, oh, you're supposed to have training and sorry, guys, we got an op. Yeah. You know, no training. Right. You know, we're going to be on for the next 10, 12 hours. Right. Barricaded sub, whatever it was, you know. So that always took precedence over everything. Right. What were some of the, like, one or two of the most 
crazy situations your SWAT team got into, you know, where like, where you thought, wow, this is, this could go bad really, really quickly. Well, my, my team had a active shooter turned hostage situation into barricaded subject hmm. all in one, one day. So the guy killed seven bodies. Um, Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. Killed seven people, took two people hostage. And then um, we, uh, my team had to go in there and neutralize the guy and uh, save the hostages for the day. So we had that all in like a three or four hour span. <laughs> so in that situation, yeah. because he had already killed some people, there there was no, um, hey, we're going to talk this guy out of it. You I mean, you guys had to jock up and just try. At the end of the day, you know, you have to try. Right. So you have to try to negotiate. You got to play it by the numbers, you know. Um, just the thing was is that at that point, we, we had tried to communicate with the guy for, you know, quite a long time. He wasn't responding, wasn't responding. And, you know, it, it's pretty much up to, up to the commander at the end of the day. Where they say, okay, we're just going to try to wait this guy out or, you know, we're just going to go in. Right. You know what I'm saying? He decided uh, after a certain amount of hours, you know, hey, we're not waiting anymore. We don't want him to kill. So he already killed seven people. You know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't right. like, oh, let me take some hostages and I haven't killed anybody. You know, he'd already killed seven people. And one guy died. It was it was horrible. Um, He shot one guy from the second floor of the apartment building. Hmm. The round, it was a nine millimeter round, ricocheted off the concrete as the guy was getting out of his car hit him in the side of the body, went through his lung and went to his heart. Oh my Ricocheted God. concrete on the ground. Crazy. Jeez. Crazy. Yeah, not, it was his day. You know what not, I mean? It yeah, was exactly. It was his day. He would have, he probably would have gotten killed, you know, in a car accident or something that day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If he didn't get killed that day, he would have gotten into a car accident the next day and got killed. Yeah. Like Final Destination. <laughs> oh, crazy. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah it, it's, you know, you just never know, Mark. You know that. You know, you just never know. It's yeah. when it's your day, it's your day. You know, you try to help yourself as much as possible, but situations like that, there's nothing you could do. Nothing. So how did you um deal with the stress of the job? Like what what did you do? What were your average uh ritual like to to mentally prepare, mentally, physically, emotionally prepare and deal with, you know, the stress? I would tell you, uh I I was very good at disassociation. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I got into my car my unit, I was a different person than I was at home or with my family or with my friends or when I was off duty. Mm-hmm. Um, never shut it off. It never turns off completely. You can, it's impossible to, you know that. Yeah. Uh, you never shut it off. But you learn to, the best way that I explain to people is like, you learn to function like everyone else and not let it bother everyone else. Right. You know? uh, because obviously me and you are always going to be at a heightened state of awareness that other people aren't going to be. You know what I'm saying? When we go into um, restaurants, when we go into malls, when we go into these product places, I'm always going to be on edge. I'm always going to be just because of my job, just because I did so many years. But I can't let my family or my friends realize that I'm on this heightened awareness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it makes them feel uncomfortable. It makes them feel, you know. So I learned to disassociate. Once I got into my car, I I guess that was my my switch on. Mm -hmm. And then I, I got out of the car. I got home, I, I switched it back off, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lot of friends that um, had been involved in some in some stuff where and they could not switch it off. And they their their personal life suffered a lot because of it. You know, either whether they're detectives, whether they're uh, whatever, and they would always bring it home with them. Right. Uh, and I you know, and I always said I would never do that. You know what I'm saying? I would always leave everything at home and whatever was at work, whatever I saw, whatever I did, whatever happened there stayed there. You know, and obviously you talk to your buddies about it. You know, everybody mm-hmm. talks, talks it. But you know, to bring it home, unless it was something really bad, mm-hmm. um, 
always a couple cases. You know, anything involving children mm-hmm. is always bad. You know what I mean? It always affects everybody, you know, right. a little different. But other than that, it, you know, you, you build calluses. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, P- PTS is a big issue, obviously, in the military community. And we're trying to do our part through our uh, – we started a cur- something called the Courage Foundation to help uh, vets with PTS. And next year, I'm going to try to raise 250000 do or do not there's no try i'm going to raise two hundred fifty thousand to help raise awareness for these vets but do you see that kind of uh that type of situation arising with folks in your field and in the swat world um you know guys getting pts from maybe long-term chronic stress or or some sort of event scenario that that yeah causes that it does it does i mean most cops i would tell you like this especially swat guys if they don't jump into, let's say, when they do their 20 years, their full, let's say they've done full SWAT their whole year, their whole career, and there was an active team like my team, you know, right. thing where you're, you know, you're constantly doing ops. I would say if they don't jump into something else when they retire, they mm-hmm. last about two or three years and they pretty much they pass away. Um, whether really? it's a heart attack, whether it's from, you know, suicide, whether it's from, yeah, because it, it, you know, think about it. You're working 70, 80 hour work weeks for 20 years of your life. You're wow. You know, you're constantly in that in that zone all the time, and then from one day to the next, you're sitting in your couch and doing absolutely nothing and watching TV. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I've seen that a lot in the military, and I think guys just also lose their sense of purpose. Yeah, that, so they that, start drif- drifting. You know, think about it. They're a sergeant, they're a lieutenant, they're in charge. You know what I mean? They're in charge of a unit, of right. whatever. Twenty years down the road, and then they get home, and then they're nobody again. They're, they're nothing. They're, right. They're a guy that's watching TV and, and, and he has nobody to look up, you know, nobody that looks up to him, nobody that uh, talks to him every day, you know, and, and you know, as well as I know, I mean, these guys that you're with, you know, in the team, oh, they're, they're your brothers. Those guys, right. are your brothers, you, you live and die with those guys. You eat, sleep, drink, everything with these individuals for many, many hours. Uh, your, their lives are in your hands. You're, you know, and everything depends on them and what you do and what they do. It becomes a bond that nobody can really understand unless you've been part of a team, a team like that. That's true. The Halo Neurostimulation System will help you to push boundaries and to perform at your maximum capacity. Now, I'm often testing new products here at Unbeatable Mind, and Halo is the most recent that I've tested. And I felt it absolutely needed to be passed on to the tribe. It's a neurostim device that electrically stimulates the movement centers in your brain. It helps you to move better and faster through neuroplastic adaptation. It's as simple to use as downloading an app and plugging in headphones and then sticking them on your head. Use it for 20 minutes and then you go do your movement or your workout. Now Halo, the company, has graciously offered to give a discount to Unbeatable Mind listeners. If you go to haloneuro.com and at checkout use the code UNBEATABLEMIND, one two five, which will give you hundred and twenty five dollars off a Halo Sport model. That's an unbelievable offer. So use Unbeatable Mind one two five at haloneuro.com, H-A-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com to get hundred and twenty five dollars off. Very generous offer that they put together. Hope you check it out. Hoo ya. You know, one of uh, two of the, the things that I teach people to be able to manage stress, uh, one of them is breathing, breath awareness, and I have a practice called box breathing. And the other is managing your internal dialogue, curating it for, you know, uh, a real, you know, powerful, positive kind of uh, dialoguing, you know, yeah. self-talk. 
do you use tools like that? I mean, what, what are your practices around breathing and me- mental management? I have what I call what uh, I have what I call steady breathing. Um, what I uh-huh. which is probably similar to it. It's uh, whenever I end up getting in situations like that where the high, you know, very high risk situations and you know the adrenaline is pumping and stuff. I do right. what's called steady breathing, where I I learn to control my breathing as I exhale, and then I think about all the different angles and options of what I'm doing. Instead of focusing on what I'm about to do, mm-hmm. I think about everything else other than what I'm about to do. Uh, for example, you're gonna you have a barricaded subject that we know the guy's armed, and we're about to go to the house. So I think about all of my team members and what their job functions are during this op. And what we're going to do, I don't really think about, fuck, I'm about to go inside this house and I may die. (laughs) (laughs) So so that, I say that, that skill is kind of um, to take your mind off. Correct. Take your mind off the impending, you know, disaster or problem and putting it on other things that are productive. Correct. Correct. You you get into a situation like that and I've been in many, I'm sure you've been in many too. Um, You know, we try to shrug it off. I right. did the day, you know, like it was a running joke on my team. Whenever we had an op that, you know, it, it was a bad one or whatever. Right before it, you know, my buddy would tell me, he tapped me on the shoulder. He goes, Hey man, I quit. And I'm like, yo, I quit too. <laughs> you know? I love that. That's, that reminds yeah. me a lot of the seals. Like we're always busting each other and, and just playing oh, stupid jokes and that lightness and that humor really helps. Yeah. You, you have to, cause I mean, what else are you going to do? Right. You know, you, you go into these houses, you go into houses every other day, people cutting, you know, cutting their heads off, pulling their brains out. And if you sit there and you think about this every single day, yeah, of course it's going to affect you. You know, so a lot of times the best way that you you can relate to something like that is you you try to disassociate yourself and make a joke about it. You know what I'm saying? Not a joke that the guy killed himself or that he killed people or that he whatever, but in our brains, that's how we deal with it. And a lot of people, you know, they don't understand that. You know, I had one incident where it was a murder-suicide down here and, um, uh, we were clearing the house as we were going through the house, and I remember hitting the I had, hitting the bathroom. I was uh, one man, a guy behind me, so I hit the bathroom first, and then the curtain of the bathroom was literally maybe like a foot wide, and it was towards where the actual shower head is, you know. Mm-hmm. So the last thing on my head was that there was somebody in the in the, in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. You know, there's literally you can literally clear the the bathroom from the door. You know, I'm not even lying; it was like a, a foot. So I go and I. And I clear the bathroom, and of course I'm going to check that one foot because you have to check the one foot of behind that curtain. And when I pull the curtain, the guy is literally hanging from uh, he he put a, he put a rope to the roof and a pipe in the roof Jeez. or a two by four in the roof, and then he hung himself. And the guy was actually like literally, I'm not lying to you, Mark, maybe an inch and a half from that curtain. Jeez. So his face and his tongue was sticking out. So when I peeled the curtain. That guy scared the living shit out of me, you know? <laughs> I, and then, uh, I jumped back and I was like, oh shit. And the guy behind me jumped back. So everybody started laughing, you know, on the, on the, in the team. You know what I'm saying? Everybody oh. was there. They just started dying. So I come and I clear the bathroom and I go back, you know, I, I go and uh, now we're, we clear the next room. All okay. So we have one room last, the last room to clear. We're pretty much sure that the female is going to be in there. Probably, you know, the DOA. And um, so uh, the door's locked. So I go to kick the door, you know, and of course, my foot goes completely through the door. And uh, <laughs> so, 
So now I have my foot through the door, my body's on the other side of the, of the door, and it's just like I, I'm not catching any breaks on this off whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I slam completely through the door. I break the whole door down. And, of course, the lady's there um, passed away. The guy choked her to death, uh, with, oh. uh, you know. And um, so we're all laughing. We're not laughing about what happened. Well, what happened to these individuals? But we're laughing at, at my, you know, my fuck laughing at yourselves. Yeah, exactly. of it, right? Yeah. So we're the whole team now is trying to hold the composure because when we walk out of that door, you know what I'm saying? There's cameras. There's uh, uh, the TV stations. There's a crowd of people outside. Can you imagine how bad it would look for a team to walk out <laughs> you go outside cracking up? Oh my god! Exactly. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So everybody was trying to keep their straight face. And of course, when we're walking out, somebody cracks a joke again. And we're all like holding our mouths, you know, just things like that. Things yeah. like that you don't forget. You know what I'm saying? Because those are the, those times, those those times are the times you really think back to all the stuff you've done, you know, and it makes a difference, you know, it helps. Yeah, no, I totally, and I, I think it's helpful for people to hear that, you know, because it, it's hard to imagine. It, it, you're right. It's not a laughing matter. You know, warfare, uh, dealing with violent criminals is not a laughing matter, but you know, the, there's the sheepdog has to jock up and do this day in and day out. And so, you know, one of the great releases is that kind of just the stupid factor, you know what I mean? It's like just shit happens and you got to find humor in it in spite of the situation. Yeah, you do. That's awesome. So when, yeah, I want to get back to the breathing. So you said steady breathing. I love that term. The seals have something we call tactical breathing. And essentially it sounds the same where we really slow things down and we just inhale to a five count and exhale to a five count. And you practice it like that until, you know, you're able to do that 10, you know, it's like a 10 count breath. So you're down to like five to six breaths a minute and you can even slow it down from there. But is that what, do you have a count or you just, I don't have a count. What I do is during my firearms training classes, um, and I do a lot of my shooting that I do, a lot of tactical shooting that I do, I do it under elevated heart rate. Mm-hmm. So my heart rate, I like to do a lot of training under like 175 beats per minute, 180. I try to get it as high as possible. And so then I do I, a bunch of, bunch of burpees and then shoot, you know, go to the range and start shooting right away? Or I, you- no, I do. Listen, I, believe it or not, I, do, I try to do everything. Um, I do all of my conditioning um, on the range mm-hmm. and, and integrate live fire shooting. Yeah, that's cool. So I'm putting myself through every possible scenario that my body can do and then integrate the shooting. So, you know, I, I did that towards the end of my career a lot because I was always the bigger guy on my mm-hmm. team. Um, I was I walk around at 225, 230 when I was on, on the team, and I'm mm-hmm. about 240, 245 now. Mm-hmm. So I always had to be in better condition, shape than all the other smaller guys, the guys that are a buck 85, buck 90. Mm-hmm. At least when it came to the high intensity stuff, because they always love to freaking run. You know how it is. They love to. Mm-hmm. Oh, one seventy five pounders love to run ten miles. Let's go run five <laughs> miles. Let's go. Hey, how about we go squat? Let, let's you know. Let's go do something. Else with that, <laughs> yeah. you know? Or let's go do jujitsu for forty five minutes or some boxing or something. You know. So right. it, it was always a constant battle. So I I I always try to get myself to be stressed out as much as possible when I shot. So the steady breathing. Uh, what I do is I teach that in my courses and mm-hmm. I explain to people because one of the hardest things that I've come to realize and I've been teaching now for 20 years and I obviously I t- I've trained and taught with SF and all kinds of shit. And even SF guys and even the special forces guys and stuff, you know, when they get their heart starts pumping and they're used to always being on the range, it's range, range, range all the time. You're going to miss. 
you're going to yeah. miss. You're not going to always hit your target. No. I, I've come to find, and, and I've trained with some of the, the best competition shooters, uh, JJ Rikaz and some of the, the guys that are world champions, is the more times you, you learn to shoot with 175 beats per, per minute, the easier it is to control the breathing and disassociate your lungs and your heart from your trigger finger. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, which is one of the hardest things to do. Because obviously, if your heart's pumping and you're breathing really hard, the first thing you want to do is jerk the crap out of the trigger. Mm-hmm. You know what right. I mean? So yeah. that steady breathing and that breathing uh, pattern that I do, which is that steady, where I come in and as I'm as I'm punching out, it's always steady, 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 steady in, steady out. You know, uh, mm-hmm. help a lot with that. It just helps control the adrenaline. It helps control the the, the tunnel vision. Helps control mm-hmm. a lot of the factors that come across with the stress. Mm-hmm. When you're shooting, do you always um, do the trigger pull on the exhale? Um, yes, I am actually yeah. hitting the wall on the exhale. So I'm going to mm-hmm. be hitting your, as I'm, as I'm pushing out, I'm, I'm squeezing it. I hit the wall on my trigger. And then mm-hmm. once I that bang, 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 then come back over, same exact thing, you know, and then, and, you know, re- repeat, repeat, repeat. So when you pull the trigger, then are you holding your breath after, at the exhale? Um, it's hard to say, uh, because yeah. there's a pause, I, a natural pause it, kind of problem. It's hard because if I'm doing, let's say multiple engagements, uh, mm-hmm. Or I'm moving, I'm moving and shooting. Meaning, I'll come to a, I'll come to a position, bang, 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 then run to another position, bang, bang, bang. Right. I, it gets to a point where I don't even, honestly, unless I see a video of myself to see what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. If you ask me, hey, were you holding your breath at this shot? I could, I wouldn't even know. You know. Yeah, that's interesting though. It'd be interesting to check that out. I bet. I bet you do find a natural pause in the breath when you when you pull do the sugar pull. I know that when I tell you like this, when I'm gonna when I'm gonna shoot, let's say four, five, six rounds, and I have multiple, uh, you know, it's a, a multiple target, you know, engagement where it's one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Most right. of the time, I will hold my breath through all the engagements, and yeah. then and then exhale. You know what I'm saying? And then take yeah. another another breath, and then steady steady breath out. It's usually yeah, a that's pretty, that's just to cool. keep it, yeah, just to keep it like that. And do you have a mantra or something like when you're in that total zone, you know, something going through your head or is it, is it empty? Is your, is your head just clear? When I was at work and, and we were hunting and it was a foot chase or if it was a car right. or if it was my only thing that would ever run through my mind. And I remember because I had somebody who had asked me this before mm-hmm. was don't let the bad guy get away. The bad guy cannot mm-hmm. no matter what happens. You know, right. I would repeat that stuff to my head. I go, you're not getting away. You're not getting away. It doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. <laughs> yeah. That, and, and I used to, when I was, when I was chasing after guys, I would tell them, Hey, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. <laughs> you're actually telling that. <laughs> I was screaming at him. I go, you're not going to shake me. You're not going to shake me. You know, uh, that was in my head. It was, it was kind of like a, once it gets to a point where you've done it as many times as I have, it becomes a cat and mouse, you know, yeah. a, yeah, it, you know, when they got guns in their hands and you're running and there's a guy with a gun and he's got an AK or he's got something. We have one where a guy had an AK and he's running and, it, you know, you, you think about, man, that was pretty fucking stupid. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, I'm running. You know, I got a hang on and the guy's got an AK in his hand and I'm running after the guy, you know, and I'm jumping fences, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, but you, you don't at that time, you don't you don't think about it. You After the fact, you might say, yeah, it was yeah. probably not the smartest thing to do. But at the end of the day, I gotta get him off the street. That was my whole thing. Like, right. I'm not get away. Right. I'm either I'm gonna catch him, he's gonna give up, or I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to shoot him. You know what I'm saying? And, and right. eliminate whatever threat it is. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sure you right. had the same, you know, similar situations. You know, where 
It's, it's either or. There's no in the brain. I think once you set yourself a goal, or you set yeah, once you commit, there's no going back. Once you commit, there's no going back. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Most of these turds are not well trained, though, aren't they? I mean, aren't they just? I mean, they're they're either doped up or their adrenaline is just cranking, and so they they can wreak a lot of havoc. But they're not like super well trained, are they? No, we've had situations where we've had guys come back from from the war that were right. well trained, and I, I came across two guys. But um, for the most part, for the most part, it's your basic. You know, they don't they're not real tacticians or tactical guys. But the right. thing that they're younger. Uh, I mean, I mean, I've seen some of these kids. Like, I, I take this one kid. It was an armed robbery. Got into a car chase. Pitted the car. Had a bailout. I'm not lying to you, Mark. When I seen this kid, he was running, and I'm running after him. And it was three of them. They they bailed out of the car on me. And uh, one kid literally jumped. He was running. He jumped on the front fence of the house. From the front fence of the house, he jumped and he landed on the roof of the house with his what? arm. On the roof of the house like, with his arm. He chicken winged it. You know what I mean? When you're like, you <laughs> he chicken winged. I was running after him. I remember seeing this. And in my head, I was like, that is that just didn't happen. That just didn't <laughs> happen, you know? And uh, I stopped. As soon as he did that, I just stopped. And I was like, hey, start me a perimeter. Give me a point at this guy. Here. I'm not going to run after that guy. That guy's <laughs> freaking, you know what I'm saying? He's, he's, he's almost Superman. You know, like parkour, parkour master, parkour right? stuff. You know, and and imagine I'm, I'm two twenty with 30, 40 pounds of gear on me. You know, kid, full kid, run. You know what I'm saying? So it's you see these these individuals, and yeah, they're not tactical guys, but a lot of them they do things that are incredible. Probably because he's yeah. a you know, I've seen guys clear six foot fences and not even touch the fence. Holy oh, shit! Guy, they'll clear the fence, Mark. They'll clear it, just boom, bam, and they just <laughs> they keep running. And I'm there trying to go over the fence, jumping over the fence, and this guy's already like a, a, almost a half a block away from me, you know? Holy shit. Yeah. And and and, and those guys. That's just got to be from the adrenaline, right? They're just so jacked up, right? And they've got some yeah. some semblance of athleticism. Listen, they're 19, 20, 20, 21 year old, and they're they're probably, you know, in really good shape uh, in regards to like they were athletes when they were in high school, whatever, played basketball right. or football or something, and they just took the wrong turn. And they got right. the wrong people and started doing armed robberies for a living. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, right? Uh, uh, you know, unless unless they were a high uh, for me, at least my unit, unless they were high high in narcotics. We're talking about like you know kilos of cocaine or heroin, uh, a big right. amount of crack, stuff like that. We weren't chasing after that. You know what I mean? It was always mm-hmm. you know, armed robbery, armed carjacking. You know what I mean? Um, uh, Grand Theft Auto armed. Or stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know what I mean? Where we knew the guys were convicted felons and they were just pretty much thugs. Yeah, thugs. Yeah, yeah, really bad people. You know, yeah. those are the guys that we always ended up dealing with. But uh, you see them do things that are incredible sometimes, and, yeah. and it's a shame because instead of being in a football field or being in a basketball, they're doing those things. Yeah, that is a shame. You know, such talent. You know, just gone to waste. Gone to waste. Exactly what it is. This podcast is supported by Ample. The Ample meals aren't just protein shakes. They're complete meals, including fiber, healthy fats, as well as protein. I love Ample, and I try to have at least one a day in the morning. Now, life's crazy, and this makes eating healthy on the go so much easier. I consider it the new MRE, meal ready to eat. Just add water. 
You can get a 400 or a 600 calorie complete meal in a bottle made from superior real food ingredients designed for optimal nutrition. It's non-GMO, no artificial crap, no gluten, no soy. Now, my friends at Ample are offering a 15% discount off your first order if you're interested in checking it out. Go to amplemeal.com and use the code UNBEATABLE15. UNBEATABLE15. Ample knows how much I love this product, and I want you to try it too. So go to amplemeal.com, use the code UNBEATABLE15 to get a discount on your order. Check it out. It's great stuff. We had the Las Vegas shooting, you know, just recently, and I had a few people who had been following my training. And I'm, uh, you might have had this happen to you occasionally, where someone says, "Hey, man, your training really helped me out in that shitty situation." So, what is, you know, what can you tell the listeners about a situation like that? If you find yourself suddenly, you know, in a crowd with an active shooter at a concert, what the hell should people do? Well. That's that's tough because I mean you know scenario yeah everything. It's, it's tough without, without knowing the details. Funny that yeah. you do say that to me because um, one of my students was actually there in the Las Vegas yeah and she was yeah I had three three people there too yeah and she told me that because of the training that I put her through she had been through a couple of my courses to right. lead and and she you know got everybody to cover her husband had a gun you know everybody you know he was armed and they were ready and you know they put everybody they locked everybody into the room you know what I'm saying. So they actually have a plan, you know. Okay. There's a couple of different ways to think about active shooters. One, um, if you happen to be the guy that happens to be bending down and the active shooter go, goes off and you stand up and the guy's right behind you and you get shot, there's absolutely nothing you can do. <laughs> right. You know, you're in – that's – If you're the target if you're the target of opportunity, you're kind of host. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Don't make yourself a target of opportunity. Absolutely. But, I mean, it's just any any of us – even you or me, you know, you go to the mall or whatever it may be, and you're just in a regular store, and the guy comes into the store, and you're paying, and the guy just comes with an AK-47 and starts randomly shooting. We could be one of the random people that he happens to shoot before we're even finished giving the money to the counter. You know, right. you just don't know. Now, granted, if that first volley goes through and he doesn't hit us, now it's a different animal. Now we're talking about a right. different game now. Now, you know what I'm saying? One, I mean, mm-hmm. for me, I I'm always uh, I always have a gun on me. You know, I'm always, I always carry a gun on me. If I can go to the bathroom with my gun, I will. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just because Miami is really bad. You know what I'm saying? It's really bad down uh-huh. here, and you can get carjacked, robbed any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Uh, any really? it doesn't really uh-huh. matter where you are. And um, that's number one, because that's if the guy's got a gun, that's the only way you're going to be able to defend yourself. You know, what I mean? don't bring a knife. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you would hope not, right? So if you don't have a gun, if you don't have anything, then it's a matter of find out where the shots are coming from, and try to find some form of cover. And then as soon as you find the cover, that first volley goes, and you got to take off running. You know what I'm saying? Try mm-hmm. to get as far as away from the situation as possible. Some people say no, hunker down. You don't ever want to hunker down because it's just like that. Mm-hmm. You're just gonna be. He's just gonna be picking people off. Eventually, he's going to see you and find you. Exactly. Just, you know what I'm yeah. saying? You want to get so okay. So let me let me break this down. Uh, I'm at Las Vegas or wherever, and I hear some shots. They miss me, but I see maybe someone 20 yards away from me go down. My first reaction is to look for cover and to, to and to take cover. That's number one. And then number two, you said if there's a pause in the volley or while a volley's 
launching? Do you get up and run, or you know, what? What's your what's your trigger to start running? Yeah, no, no. The thing is that he's got to reload. I was right. another. He's got to reload. So if you have eyes on the guy, when he reloads, you take off. You got to go take far off, away yeah. and try to get to his back, because obviously if you're behind mm-hmm. him, he's not going to see you. You know, uh, we're talking right. about a person that doesn't have a gun. I mean, just trying to survive. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Right. What I recommend a regular civilian with no mixed martial arts training, with no tactical training, with nothing on their body to attack uh, a guy with an AK-47 or with a, a, you know what I'm saying, or even a gun, just a regular handgun. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have to, you have to. You don't have a choice. You get me? But if you have 20, 30 yards away from the guy, you have a chance to, to, to get out and call the police, you know, and right. you get on the phone as fast as possible and try to give as much information as possible on the guy, you know. But it comes to a point where... Mark, I mean, you want to be a sheepdog, but if you don't have the tools to be a sheepdog, you're it's it's you're literally you're you're running to your death. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's at the end of the day because right. I don't care if you're 20 yards and I'm running towards you to tackle you. I pick up my gun. I'm going to shoot you. You're going to die before you get to me. I mean, there's no, you know, right. and it doesn't take a lot of skill to do that. You know that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. One or two of the rounds, I may shoot you. I may shoot seven or eight rounds, but one or two is going to hit you, and you're going to go down. So. For sure. Uh, now, if you got a gun, it's a different animal. Now you find cover, different. you find cover, you find the opportunity, you wait for the opportunity, and then you you know you engage. And ninety percent of the time, it's been it, it's been uh, researched that as soon as the, the the attacker gets engaged, the attacker takes off. You know, he's going to take off running, or he's going to he's going to end up retreating, or you know what I'm saying, or he end up killing himself. One of the two. Yeah, most yeah, I've, I've, most of those guys or girls, I should say. They don't want to get hurt. <laughs> I mean, in a sense, they're bullies, but they're they're pussies when it comes to them. You know, when the rounds start coming of at them, of course, right? of so. course. That's why they're picking. That's why they pick the spots, and they know that most people are not going to be armed. Or right. uh, what? What's better a spot than to go to a concert where you know that most likely everybody was uh, had to go through a uh, a metal detector? Right. Nowadays, most concerts you go to, you have to go through a metal detector because of the shootings that have passed, happened in the past. So yeah, I can imagine that concert promoters are now looking for venues that don't have, you know, perches where people can shoot into them. Oh, of course, you know. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Las Vegas thing was just it's a tragedy, you know. Uh, yeah. And I actually gave a firearms training class, me and JJ Ricasa together, the weekend after it happened in Vegas. I mm. taught a, a course okay. there, and one of the security, one of the head security guards from Win, from Win, the hotel Win, was uh-huh. at my course. And he told me that the owner of Wynn had already predicted that was going to happen within the next couple of years. No kidding. Yeah, they had yeah. already set up a reactionary plan for something like that in their hotel. They actually, oh, yeah, yeah, they have, um, I don't know if they have three or four Delta guys or three or four uh, SEAL guys, uh, obviously retired, mm-hmm. that work security throughout the whole mm-hmm. year. And then you see close, you know, and undercover. So mm-hmm. they're there at mm-hmm. all times, you know. Uh, just in case for something like that. Yeah, it gets us to show you it doesn't matter how many X seals you have on staff. You know, uh, if the shooter puts himself in the right place, you're not going to stop him until how much how much time is it going to take for you to get there? Yeah, exactly. He? And where is it? And all that, all those different yeah. questions that you're asking as this whole ordeal is happening, uh, it's vital seconds that a person is dying every three or four seconds. A person every terrible. three or four seconds. So what may it's a minute, a minute and a half, right? Let's say. A minute and a half to two minutes to get to where he's at. In a minute and a half, two minutes, he's killed forty people. You know, Jesus. it's a lifetime. 
So, hey, Tony, you know, situational awareness is super important. Um, it's one of the things I talk a lot we, in the SEALs, we use the, the Cooper color system and whatnot. But how do you teach situational awareness, it, it, you know, um, for your clients? I, it's really hard, I mean, to teach uh, situational awareness to individuals that have never, that have no clue what situational awareness is, um, right. to the younger generation, just because most younger generations, you're talking about in your, your 20s. They spend 90% of their day on their phones. So right. uh, they are literally walking from the mall to their car on their phone. They go, they sit down, on the phone, you know, 20 all the time. So to tell a kid, you know, hey, you need to like put your phone down <laughs> and pay what's yeah. going on around you. It might help you, you know, unless they've experienced something that, you know what I mean, that affected them. It's very yeah. hard to right. get them to understand that. You know, do I still teach it? Yeah, I still, I explain to them, listen, go in a, a restaurant, you know, always try to find all the exits to the restaurants, always keep your back to the door, right. you know what I'm saying? Always keep, you know, your face to the door, right. keep your back, uh, you know, away from uh, some kind of wall or something. If you go into the mall, you know what I'm saying? Remember always where you come in, remember all the exits and inter- entrances in the mall. When you go into a store, you know what I'm saying? Always look, looking at people, you know, but you could tell somebody that to you, to you blue in the face, you know, the only time that it really hits somebody is when, they're one day walking to their car on their phone, and next thing you know, they feel a freaking gun to the back of their head. And they're like, give me your phone. Jesus. Yeah. And then they're yeah. going to be like, wow, I should have listened to Tony. That's true. And it happens. I've had two people come up to me already. Man, they rubbed my phone. I was in the car. The guy hit me from the back. Down here in Miami, they do a lot of things where if you're driving your car and you're in the wrong neighborhood, uh, they'll crash you from the back. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, and then you get out of the car, and you're like, oh, what's going on? Da, 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 da. And then when you get back in your car, you're in the phone, and some random guy comes up, and then as on you're on the phone calling the cops, they'll freaking reach in your car, boom, take the phone, jump in their car and take off. You know what I'm saying? Or they'll just freaking you. Huh. They'll put a gun to your head. Once they crash into you, take you out of the car, jump in your car and take off, and leave you there without no car. You know? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Remind me not to come to Miami anytime soon. <laughs> in, in my gym. In my gym, my knockout zone, my resident gym where I train, I do all my stuff. My car has been broken into twice in the last uh, year and a half. And the last time they broke okay. into it, I saw the guy in my car. You know what I'm saying? The guy was like, I'm, coming, I'm walking out of the gym and the guy, his head is in my car. And I look, you know, and ever since they broke into my car the first time, I always look at all the cars, you know, now paying attention. And I see this guy, I see the back of his head, up the top of his head. And he looks up at me and I look at him and I'm like, this motherfucker's in my car, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, you know, my face must have been just like, uh, you know, just it said everything because the guy, as soon as he saw his eyes right. got huge and he ducked and he was gone, you know? Uh, I ended up, you know, man, I, I tried to break the window of his car because he was parked in the parking lot. And uh, I almost ended up breaking my hand because he was going too fast. And anyways, but it, it shows you that doesn't matter where you are or what you do. You could be in the best neighborhood or the worst neighborhood and it, it can happen to you, you know? And if you give this, right. this little, this little world that you live in a bubble that most of these people live in, you know, until something like that happens to them, they don't realize, Hey, it can happen to anybody, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. We got to wrap up, but what, you know, if, if a client were to say, or call in right now and say, Hey, uh, Tony, you know, what's the first thing I need to do to start preparing myself? What would you say? The first thing that I, to start preparing, preparing for, you know, something like this. So I can take care of, myself. I would tell you, uh, number one, if, if you don't own a gun, buy a gun. Number two, get formal training with a gun. 
Yeah. yeah. Not go, and number three, go to some form of defensive tactics classes, some form of mixed martial arts, some mm-hmm. form of it doesn't. I don't care. Listen, I don't care if, if you're taking taekwondo. And, you know, it, but something mm-hmm. is better than nothing. Boxing, something. Right. So at least you have a fighting chance, whether it's with a gun, whether it's mm-hmm. without a gun, whether it's you know you just you have some form. You can't expect to be a sheepdog. Or you can't expect to be able to stand up and and fight when you don't know how to do any of those things. Because you're the best physically right. fit guy in the world, but if you don't know how to how to throw a punch or you don't know how to shoot a gun or you don't know how to do anything, that's what these people are coming at you with. An active shooter be there with a gun a guy that's going to rob you he's going to be there with a knife or a gun you know what i'm saying and if you're let's say if you're a poor mma fighter yeah you might you might beat him you might get him if he's close enough to you you know what i'm saying but like you said don't bring a knife to a gunfight you know everybody wants to you know i don't know it's it's hard you know i I get i get i rant about it because (laughs) you know i'm very passionate about it as you can see because i I, that was why i started my company in the first place was to give for a fighting right. chance. Why? Because I saw armed robberies time and time again, time and time again of people getting pistol whipped, of people getting shot for no reason, of people. So in, in 2014, I said, enough is enough. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go teach yeah. them, somebody to defend themselves and, and have a fighting chance because down here in Miami, it's not like, oh, they rob you and then you give them the money and then that's okay. Here in Miami, you they rob you, you give them the money and they still shoot you in the face. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Jesus. So it's, I I'd rather, I'd rather die fighting Mark, then die on my knees begging for my life. I don't know. What do you think? Hell yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. No. And your training, uh, your your website and business is called Real World Tactical. Website is realworldtactical.com. Yes, right? realworld-tactical.com. My Instagram is uh, realworld underscore tactical. And then uh, Facebook okay. and YouTube is the same thing, Real World Tactical. You just, you just call Real World dash tactical.com and you run firearms training and whatnot for people who have got no no skills so someone can go find you yeah military law enforcement i do everything i travel the country mark uh uh so i i I, i'm always teaching in texas las vegas um jersey new jersey um i you know arizona i'm gonna be teaching this here in arizona as well um so i'm traveling a lot this year uh, teaching around the country awesome well thanks for doing what you do it's certainly uh critical and um yeah, we need uh, we need to teach more sheepdogs and te- teach people to take care of business and Absolutely. stop these turds in the track. So, yeah, yeah appreciate it. <laughs> We're trying. Uh, We're trying. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can only do what we can only do, but it's important work, I, I think. Know, I know. All right, my brother. Um, good to meet you. Thanks very much for your time today. Uh, stay safe. Likewise, man. It was a pleasure being on the show. Um, had a great time. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, me too. All right. Take care, Tony. Hoo-ya. All right, folks, that was Tony Sentmanat, um, realworld-tactical.com. Check out Tony's work. Go support him. It's really important to learn how to defend yourself. Take your uh, kids. I think I imagine you have some some programs for, uh, you know, take your son, take your daughter, learn how to use a weapon. It's important. Like I said, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Hoo-ya, Coach Divine out. I will see you next time on the Unbeal Mind podcast. Thanks very much for listening. Sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets, the bright swinging frog man.